The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Table Talk, and this is a very special episode because we haven't done one of the 28 Fundamentals for a while, and today we are finally getting back to that series, and we are jumping back in at Fundamental number 14. There's all five of us at the table today. We've got NATO, Matt, Dave, Ben, and myself, Luke, and we're going to be talking about unity in the body of Christ. And just to start the discussion, I thought it would be good to ask, what is unity? Uh, I think if you go to a dictionary, you'll find that the dictionary meaning for unity is to be coming together for a common purpose or goal. So it, it's it's very much talking about um, a- any group of people and despite how they're all feeling, they all go, here's a goal, we're going to work together and we're going to achieve the goal. Mm. So it's, it's really quite simple and I, I like that, the simplicity and the meaning for it. Mm. And um, on that note, we should go through the actual fundamental and we'll read that. So, the church is one body with many members called from every nation, kindred, tongue and people. In Christ, we are a new creation. Distinctions of race, culture, learning and nationality and differences between high and low, rich and poor, male and female must not be um, divisive among us. We are all equal in Christ, who by one spirit has bonded us into one fellowship with him and with one another. We are to serve and to be served without partiality or reservation. Through the revelation of Jesus Christ in the scripture, we share the same faith and hope and reach out in um, in one witness to all. This unity has its source in the oneness of the triune God who has adopted us as his children. So like you were saying with the unity, we are all coming together for that one goal mm-hmm. and it's Christ that brings us together mm-hmm. and um, that's gives the, us that fun... Um, that, that's that the glue fel- factor. Yeah, it's yeah. that foundation which we build upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool because I guess one of the things when we're thinking about churches and we're looking at growth and furthering the gospel ministry is um, w- why would unity between the members uh, be important? I guess it's it seems like a rhetorical question. Uh, sure, there's a lot of people that'd be like, well, it's mm, obvious, duh. duh. But, you know, maybe let, let's just really well, look is... at the, the purpose of unity when we're, when we're looking at that ministry kind of goal. I was talking to a guy about leadership and he was saying he, he had been in the army. And so one of the things that he was saying from that perspective was the fact that in the army, there's this idea that you need to, that, you know, whatever the, the officer says goes. And while that's true in a sense... If you don't have unity, you're not actually going to accomplish the goal. And that's something that I think it's very, it's exactly the same in the church. You can all be arriving at the same place every week, but if you don't have unity, if you're not actually unified on that purpose, that goal, like Ben was reading, then you're not actually going to achieve what you're setting out to do because no one's actually going to back anybody else up because they're all just doing off doing their own thing. Mm. And to, to flesh that out, look, it is, is unity, if we're looking at what to visualize unity, um, and we're thinking, what does it look like in our local church? If if our local church pastor was say, and let's just for, for the argument talk about outreach program, okay? Mm. Might be, let's go healthy food outreach program. And mm. he comes to, to the business meeting, to the board, and he goes, all right, this is how we're going to do the outreach program, and we're going to do it exactly like this. And everyone, as one voice, stands up and goes, aye, aye, sir, with absolutely no distinction or mm-hmm. compromise. Does that sound like the unity in a church? Doesn't sound like anything I've ever seen. <laughs> no, no. There's, I'm sure there's a part of us that goes, "Oh, I wish we could attain." You know, um, I guess. I think the point that you're getting yes, at, though, is that then it's only one person's input. That's right. So we're not actually benefiting from the community of believers that we have if we're not recognizing the fact we are different and do have different skills and abilities. And when we add those all together, it gives us a, a greater. Um, greater pool of, of skills and resources to draw from that will allow us to, to reach in a more varied and comprehensive way, I believe. Mm. I mean, that's what we're doing right now um, at the table. Yeah. That's right. Five voices coming together mm. and um, for one purpose and we are greater than the sum of our parts. Yeah. Oh, well, we're, we're united, but we're not uniform with each other. Yeah. 
We certainly disagree at times, but we, we all come together in that um, unity in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think it's very important that uh, for our listeners, um, there's, I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard the word uniformity, but unity and uniformity aren't necessarily the same thing. Uh, unity allows for something um, that, that we've been uh, talking on, but that word is diversity. Yeah. So, yeah. so unity means that they can work together. Uniformity means that they are the same thing. Yeah. Like in a car, if you have a uni- uniformity in uh, two different uh, gears, then What's they're, the they're, they're exactly the same. <laughs> if you have unity, then you can have one driving the other to get, and you can get different speeds and all this sort of thing. Mm. They're different, but they work together in unity to expand the possibilities. That's a Whereas good uni- uniformity, yeah, I've never heard of it like it's that, just, yeah. hmm. there's nothing different. Yeah, th- now I just have to ask, there's five of us here, so it's five gears. Uh, um, who gets to be first gear? <laughs> <laughs> Can I be reverse? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that coming. So, um, just having said all of that, in Romans chapter 12, Paul says... For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Man, that's strange English. Anyways, um, the point that Paul's getting across is that the fundamental is entitled unity in the body of Christ. And he's saying that the, the church is likened to a human body, uh, the which has you know, different parts, a bit like your illustration with the car before NATO, um, you know, all of our parts work together to achieve us. Yeah. Um, but our parts need to be different in order for us to function. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he says, so we, being many, uh, are one body in Christ. So we make up this church. We make up this corporate identity that is is Jesus' uh, workings yeah. on earth today. Um, and so in Paul's mind, he's saying that diversity is necessary for the, the body of Christ to function. So in, in essence, what Paul is saying is that uniformity, to use your word, Matt, is not, uh, it's not a valid option for the church. We mm. can't have a growing working church if we're going for uniformity, just like we can't have a growing working human body if, if all the parts are exactly so, the same. And so, obviously, there are some things that must be the same to have unity, but obviously not all things. So, what things are... What things have to be the same? What things have to be different? Well, obviously, it's the goal. Hmm. And everything that goes towards that goal should be the same. Yeah. So, like, if you had... You- two legs, one wanting to go one way and the other wanting to go the other, mm-hmm. yeah. you're going to run into strife. And mm. so, obviously, the goal, like you say, needs to be the same. We're going in the mm. same direction. Mm. Mm. And so, what what are the different aspects of diversity? Well, diversity is that character flavor that mm. each individual brings. If we're looking at the five of us around the table, um, we're all wanting to further the ministry and we all want to further, you know, um, the gospel on this earth so Christ's coming can come sooner. Well, how do we all do that? Well, we all input into this ministry in a slightly different way. Nathaniel brings a lot of technical skill to this, and Mm. Ben brings a lot of historic flavor, and and Luke leads this group and gives us a general direction, and Dave makes sure that, you know, all the strategic outliers are are brought into accordance. So, Mm. you know, it's a tight ship. So it's really important that when we, you know, when we're looking at that, we're looking at church ministry, we're looking at the local church moving forward and outreaching to... Um, outreaching to the public that they don't look at, I guess, people wanting to do things a little bit differently as having to be wrong um, because that personalization, that characterization of, of different inputs is is valuable. It allows for a, a better ship that runs because everyone feels like they're valued then. Mm. Okay, well, this if, is, this so is what... You're what, actually saying that the diversity is the strength. It ha- Well, I, I, okay. I won't say it has to be, but I really do believe that yeah. it is, okay? Yeah. Because if... Well, like you let, just illustrated with us, that's what gives our ministry strength. If we were all um, specifically um, talented in one area, then all the other areas would fall over and we wouldn't yeah. be able to move forward Yeah, no, together. if we were all Willsy, you know, have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> 
very little would get done and it'd just be a lot of improvised talking. <laughs> what if we what didn't planning? have Wilsey, yeah. have mercy as well, you know? Absolutely, because then we, the atmosphere would be dead. Yeah. That's right. So. Well, I don't know about dead, but <laughs> he does certainly add a lot of flavour. Yeah. But so, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, going yeah. back to that illustration, we're talking about a local church doing that health food mm. outreach program. If, you know, we didn't have a couple of, say, um, dif- different ethnic groups in our, like, I guess our local church, we've got a couple of different ethnic groups and we were doing some outreach for food. They could bring some really good cultural dishes that allow for mm. flavor and spice instead mm. of like some more traditional kind of style of vegetarian cooking that some of us only think about, which is just like fruit and veggies and there's you know, no understanding <laughs> you of, didn't of how say you salad. bring stuff. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, but yeah. They bring they bring a flavour to it and they bring diversity that allows yeah. it to be a greater project overall. So, just the what I was thinking while you were going through that was something that Paul wrote in, in Ephesians. So, in, in Ephesians 4 verse 11, uh, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men uh, in the cunning craftiness of the deceitful plotting, but speaking speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things according to him who is the head, Christ. So this whole section uh, Paul is speaking about exactly that he's saying we ha- all have these different gifts and not only do we not only are we different but that was God's design because they're the gifts of the spirit mm. so it's the holy spirit that gives us those gifts and he intentionally gives different gifts to different people so we mm. can work together in unity as a whole so uniformity on the other hand like we we're talking about before would be if everyone had the same gift, gift which obviously as we've been talking wouldn't work very well yeah so, do we have some examples of unity? Anything in scripture that you guys like to call out as a as a solid example? Uh, Twelve disciples. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> perhaps, I mean, perhaps uh, not beforehand, but no, no. I, after. I was going to say it, it's actually a really good, um, I guess, illustration of unity growth because when they came together, like Christ had to really Hold work them together. Yeah. Yeah. He had to. He had to really pull them together and and make sure that they were all getting like that that basis that they knew that from. When he had to leave them, they knew what their ministry goal was. And they, they did have a bit of a down period. After Christ left, there was a lot of confusion. But when he yeah. come back and he had that visit with them, hmm. everything snapped together from And they were able to use their different goals, their different um, abilities to then enact exponential growth of the early church. Yeah. So, another one that... I guess we could also think of is something that Ben read in the summary statement that the, our unity is rooted in God's unity. So if we believe that God is the union of three co-eternal persons, they have had perfect unity from eternity past to eternity future. And part of that was in the creation of us. But even in what they've done, they have done so with diversity. That's why they are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not Son, Son, and Son. They have diverse roles. Mm. Yeah, and we're created in God's image so that that um, unity was supposed to trickle down into the way that we were um, created. So you could say that our... But that's why we're created diverse as well. Yeah, yeah. But you could say that we were created for for unity. Yeah. And even in that, Dave, uh, in Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, just like you were saying, in the image of God created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so he's saying that the image of God isn't... Adam wasn't the image of God in the, in the stricter sense. It wasn't saying Adam was made in the image of God and Eve wasn't. The image of God is actually reflected in the family unit because he creates man, woman, and says, Be fruitful and multiply. And that is what is declared to be his image. Yeah. So, in as you follow the story through in Genesis two, it describes what that unity um, looked like. Um, in Genesis two, there was the the wedding, I suppose you could call it, between Adam and Eve, and the two became one flesh. It says in verse twenty four, 
um, in verse 25, it says that they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Mm. And so you see the state of unity that God created was a state where within their, their diversities, they were able to be um, perfectly unified to the place where, that there was no shame um, present in the relationship. But obviously that, that um, what would you call it, that harmony mm. that was there within the unity that they had a, a, as a created unit uh, when that broke down as a result of the fall, uh, everything changed. And not only did the fact that they were in unity change, but also the r- the result was that the, the state that they were in before where they were not ashamed mm. also changed. And now shame was a part of the relationship. Mm. Mm. It also broke down the, the fall when it did break down the unity that was between mankind and God. That's, That's right. what we often focus on. Yeah. Uh, but I- in addition to that, it broke down the unity between mankind as well, because even well, one generation later, we've got Cain and Abel. Yeah, murdering each other. That's right. Well, Cain murdering Abel, but then you've got um, <laughs> yeah, murdering each other. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I realised that I wasn't right when I said it. I was going to say I don't re- record Abel trying to fight that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Yeah. But no, what I was actually thinking about though was the fact that immediately after sin entered, when God comes in and He's speaking to them in the garden, they're blaming each other. Yeah, they start blaming each other, yeah. and all and. Adam goes as far as blaming God. He's like, this woman that you gave me. (laughs) (laughs) You You made defective, man. Uh You you could have done a better job on her, God, because otherwise we wouldn't be in this mess. But that's the the implication. And so we find this unity falling apart at all levels. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, what we could say is unity is broken by sin in all in all its in all its ways. I like that. So as you said, so there was the the vertical um, unity that was broken. Um, between man and God and also the horizontal unity mm. between each other that was between broken creation. all because of mm. sin. Um, I want to pose a bit of a, a thorny question and say, is it possible for unity to be um, abused? Ooh. So yeah, I, sometimes I we can is. work together for a, a good purpose and that's that's a positive example of unity, right? But mm-hmm. it's also possible, isn't it, to use unity to, to work together for a negative purpose? Well, Absolutely. I think yeah. we, we can see some very key um, moments throughout history, biblical and, yeah. and you know world history that shows you know groups of people getting together and then enacting you know horrible yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I feel you've got a story you want to go with, Dave. So I'll yeah, stop I was just going to say, just following the the biblical um, line, you see there was somewhat of a unity, you could say, at the flood. Um, well, before the flood, when mankind it says was mm. that they were entirely evil. Uh, only evil continuously, I think the Bible mm. says. Yeah. Um, and then, so then there was that there was that restructuring that God did throughout that that time period where the flood came and it took them away, and then Noah's family rebuilt. But then again, unity was was achieved in Genesis 11 when they started building this tower, which was their their purpose that they were all working together as one um, towards was to defy God. Yeah. Basically, wasn't it? It, yeah. it, was, it was a united front. Well, it says, <laughs> verse 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Yeah. And so, at this point, because of their, their unity working against God, God then sunders the unity by dispersing their languages um, so that at, at, at that point in history, there was again disunity based on language and culture and then that formed all of the you know collective you know problems i suppose you could say throughout yeah. the rest of history with these you know divisions among nations and and mm-hmm. nations taking captivity of other nations and just war mm-hmm. and conflict mm-hmm. resulted as a as a result of the fact that unity had been abused yeah. and misused and mm. so God had to intervene with what? With more yeah. disunity. But I mean, it, yeah. was, it was used in a... Uh, well, it was abused um, at the trial of, of Jesus yeah. where, you know, the yeah. political groups in, in ancient and Israel who never see eye to eye decide to come together with the sole purpose of crucifying Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which is, is insane because you don't really see a lot of unification between these political groups, these Pharisees and Sadducees and, and all the rest yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, but they went, well, this guy... We, got to take rid of because he's he's preaching heresy yeah mm. so but it, it demonstrates the importance of unity being based on god yeah, yeah. because Absolutely. without that unity is abused yeah 
So I think we might talk a little bit more after the break um, about this sundering and then we'll talk also about how God wants to work to restore the unity that once was because ultimately we want to go back to that garden state that Mm. they had where in Eden they had that perfect unity which resulted in perfect harmony. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's do that right after this break. Have you taken a look at our Patreon page yet? Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And if you would like to contribute to us financially, even for as little as $1 a month, it will make a massive difference to us. And if you have a look at, there are various levels and rewards that you get for supporting us, ranging from a shout out on the show to special uh, branded t-shirts and all kinds of stuff that's available. So I would highly recommend heading across to Patreon slash OzTableTalk to have a look at what you can get by supporting us. Welcome back to the show. We are still discussing unity in the body of Christ. And the next section that we or the next topic that we're dealing with within that is the restoration of unity. So uh, would anyone like to comment on how that happens? Well, just to give make sure people have got that context, we were just finishing off talking about the sundering where pretty much that unity that we had intris- intrinsically built into us from creation and with mm-hmm. God had been sundered, had been cut off. And so obviously now we're working on that restoration process. Mm. And now what was key with unity is that common goal and purpose. Mm. And I think the best place to look at that is at the end of Matthew where we talk about the Great Commission. Mm. Yeah, good point. So if someone wants to get to the end of Matthew and read that for us, and that gives us a wonderful jumping platform. Matthew chapter 28, verse. I'll start in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. So God's plan for the restoration of unity in that verse is wrapped up in in taking the message of Jesus which was the message of the kingdom of God, right? You know, he, was, mm. he came presenting the kingdom of God and what it was like. Mm. And it was virtually flipping um, human life on its head and saying life should be done differently. Mm. And so life done differently, Jesus said, is going to look like this. And so he says, go and take that message to all the world, flip the world, and then we'll have unity in, in the message of the kingdom of God. So. Mm. Yeah, which is interesting because that's the very undoing right of what satan did yeah it's the very undoing of what sin has brought into the world yeah and actually in acts chapter one and two we see a really good example of of that like you said the undoing because we just spoke of how at at, um the tower of babel Mm. unity was misused or abused Mm. and god had to um intervene for the sake of humanity like so we didn't destroy ourselves um and to diversify the languages well, at that point, that wasn't God's original plan, um, but it was it was an intervention that was necessary. And at that point, God had plans to, again, restore language. And what happens in Acts chapter 1 and 2 is the disciples come into unity. They have this goal, they have this purpose, and then they start preaching in Acts chapter 2. Mm. And we read of <clears throat> they're preaching their, in their mother tongue, and people are hearing it in their own mother tongue. And they were like... I don't know, like there was lots of languages represented yeah, because it was at the time of yeah. Passover or something and there was, you know, a bunch of mm. people had come into Jerusalem. So, um, this was was almost like the undoing, like you're saying, of the curse that God had to put in place there in, in Genesis 11 where the languages were diversified mm. and now he's unifying the, the languages via this gift of tongues, as we call it. It's almost like the gift of hearing, really, where they were hearing um, the the message that was being preached by Peter in that instance uh, in their own language. Mm-hmm. So amazing how God restores things um, by basically just flipping flipping the problem on its head. Um, mm. yeah, just a, a cool little example of that, I suppose, in Scripture. Yeah, oh. it is. And, and it comes back to what we were saying, unity is all about uh, having a, a purpose. So now the Great Commission has occurred, there's a purpose, and so therefore there is the, the mm. way made clear for it. But when I was doing a little bit of study for this um, episode, I, I looked in um, the Bible at different ideas about unity and something that came up over and over again 
were these ideas of faith, love, and unity. Um, so I just want to share a few verses with you guys and see what you think. So in 2 Corinthians 5, to begin with, um, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and 17, uh, it comes at a context, but maybe we won't go there this time. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. In other words, he's saying we don't judge people according to their past life, their, their old man. Um, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. So we don't, we don't judge Christ after the flesh anymore. So why would we do that any differently for men? And he says, therefore, well, this is the verse we know so well, but he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, and we make specific application to this verse in our own personal lives. And that's, that's all well and good. But the, the intention of Paul wasn't that. Paul's intention was for us to see here um, that judgment on, on any other man, he says, is, is uh, a function of disunity, I suppose you could say, in the sense that if that man be in Christ, he says, we should, according to verse 16, no longer judge him after the flesh so let's just use an example of one of our friends um, our collective friends who came out of a drug a history of drug abuse right Mm. and so we know that that guy has that past right we know that about him but we look at him now and I don't know about any of you guys but I don't look at him as a drug addict (laughs) no (laughs) No. you know whilst he would say whilst he would say that he is still as much of an addict so to speak to the stuff like if Mm. he went anywhere near the stuff and if he started smoking it again Mm. you know it'd be like that and he would be switched back over to to his old self but we don't judge him that way because we know him in christ and all men have been affected by the death of jesus Mm. and so all men have come into this some some sort of a unity in christ and this is a challenge though right because this isn't just a saying this isn't just saying that uh, this person ca- has the capacity to change. This this is also saying that we must change how we view people. Yeah. And that if how, if we change how we view people, that's going to change how we treat them. It's going to change what we say to them. It's going to change how we support them. Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like I was really roundabout way of explaining what that's all about. But the point that I was getting to here is that in in a sense, what Paul is getting at here is that we are all fundamentally the, in the same position mm. you know in verse 14 he had he had just said that uh, he had just said the love of christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all then were all dead so in jesus everybody has been affected according to paul's theology and we should judge them all that way mm. and so we're fundamentally the same is what paul's point and and we see it in acts chapter 17 uh, we see it in galatians chapter 3 where he's pointing out to, to the people that there's no divisions yep. in Acts 17 he's saying to the, to them you know that we're all of mm. of you know one flesh we're all created um from the same god in, in Galatians chapter three, saying you know there's no there's no male, there's no female, there's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no all of these distinctions. He says we're all one in Christ, yeah. and that fundamental distinction is we're all forgiven. Yes. I suppose you could say. Yeah. And so God is, according to Acts chapter ten, no respecter of persons. And so I suppose what I'm getting at here is that one of the key things that uh, a little study on unity brought to me was that uh, one way in which we are to be uh, in unity is is a recognition of our fundamental brokenness and also our fundamental justification mm. in Christ. And that we are all equal. In yeah, a sense. I was going to say because if we don't do that, then that paves the way for spiritual pride, arrogance, and then we start falling from our own experience with God as a result. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's it's like the um the Pharisee we got up to pray um. Basically, um, the summary is, um, hmm. thank God that I'm I'm not like this sinner behind me. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that yeah. sinner was actually repenting of his sins, so the Pharisee would have been better off as the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, and Jesus looking on, um, or, or God looking on, would have seen the two as fundamentally equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in Colossians, um, this idea comes to a head. Colossians chapter 3 is a really profound passage. I'll, I'll just turn there and read it to you. Colossians 3 uh, from 10 to 15 is probably the best summary section. It says, Have 
and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So that's that restoration that we're talking about of, of flipping the problem on its head mm. and now we're starting to live again according to the created purpose that, that uh, God originally made us for of, of unity in diversity. And it says there, uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, um, barbarian, Scythian, Scythian, yes, however you say that word, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things... Paul says, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there that he shares, but one thing there that, that really stands above the rest, he says, is put on charity toward um, everybody around you. Love mm. unconditionally, forgive I know this isn't the point that you were driving at just there, but as you were reading that, I was thinking, he's saying there is now neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, etc. Does that mean that, uh, like in heaven, we're not going to have, or not, not even in heaven, but does that mean God doesn't want us to have cultural differences between each other, between ourselves? Well, I don't think that's the point he's getting at when he's talking about that. He's just saying we shouldn't divide ourselves over cultural differences because mm. he doesn't see that mm. as it's, a dividing yeah. issue. Mm. Yeah. Saying that not not in the way that one, we see one's it. not better than the That's other. Right. It's yeah. we're all we should prefer a certain culture. Yeah. Yes. yes. Like he, he if he didn't want us to be diverse in cultural ta- like mm. cultural things, then he wouldn't have wanted us to split and go to the four corners of the earth mm. after Which the, was the original plan. That's, yeah, right. that's right. You know, he wanted everyone to to be that little bit different and to, you know, to encompass, like, you know, to, to, I guess, bring the flavors of the world that he'd created in its fullness, mm. you know, not just Which this little corner. Which allows us to reflect uh, different facets of, of his own character because God is so multidimensional, it takes all of us to represent him in some way. Yeah. So, yeah. is that... Yeah, no, that, that's exactly... Well, that's what I... That was my feeling on it. I just wanted to call that out because I think it's important for us to recognize that when we say there's neither this nor that, what we're really saying is... We no shouldn't racial be, distinctions. Yeah, no racial distinctions. We shouldn't be judging each other based on that. It's not saying that we that we should all just have this one homogenized culture. Yeah. So, yeah. so the the bond of perfectness in that verse, or the unifying element, was love. Um, Paul calls it out as love. Um, back in chapter two, verse two uh, of Colossians, he says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all the riches of the fullness of, of full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Jesus Christ. So, uh, in in several places throughout the Apostle Paul's writings, what he's saying is the thing that knits us together as fallen human beings is love. Mm-hmm. It's forgiveness. It's it's overlooking um, each other's mistakes. In First Peter, it says that love covers the multitude, the multitude of sin. Of sin. Mm-hmm. So, if we can have this loving, forgiving spirit toward each other, we can have, he says... Unity, but it requires self-sacrifice. Hmm. You know, unity always comes on the heels of self-sacrifice, because if we're going to uplift self, we're always going to be clashing with each other, and that's that fundamental flip that Jesus hmm. talks about when he represents the kingdom of God, hmm. and when he says to go and preach that message to all the world. Yeah, uplifting love, hmm. which makes sense because Jesus seemed to bring. Uh, well, you could say he brought division wherever he went, but in doing so, he also brought unity. The people that that backed Jesus, the people that followed him, were bound together, and still to this day, thousands of years later, are still bound together based on their relationship to Christ. Yeah, well, he was dividing the kingdom of Satan, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So in Ephesians five two, Paul says, "And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling." aroma so um the counsel god gives us is to walk in the footsteps of jesus who like you said was bringing unity uh, i suppose by division but bringing Mm. unity and uh, as the apostles came together there uh, as we talked before at pentecost there's this really cool statement in a book called acts of the apostles 
which is kind of a commentary on the book of Acts. Uh, in page 48, it says, Every Christian saw in his brother a revelation of divine love and benevolence. One interest prevailed. One subject of emulation swallowed up all others. The ambition of the believers was to reveal the likeness of Christ's character and to labor for the enlargement of his kingdom. Hmm. I think that is a representation of what Jesus meant when he said, go yeah. and preach the gospel to all the world. Hey, that's yeah. just amazing. When I read that, I just get like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and mm. I feel like, mm, yeah, that's what we need. And so that really, I think that really starts leading us towards the the next idea or the next question of, of applying it, because that's that's really the the next logical step. But Dave, did you have any more in your in your studies that you want to share? Oh, it's, there's so much, but it's probably. I, I just wrote a note there saying that if there is no willingness to sacrifice self, there is no room for unity. I think that's probably a little profound little nugget that I drew from my mm. study there. Yeah. You know, if we aren't willing to, to let go of our own selfish ambition, we're never going to come into unity with anyone else. Well, right? that's right, because yeah. we're just going to butt heads all the time. Well, sin is yeah. all, all about self, and yeah. sin is what caused the sundering between mm. us and unity to start with. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's that's really yeah. really on the on the head there, mate. Mm. Yeah. Great. Well, we might uh, call this section to a slightly early close and uh, we'll save some more time to apply it. Yeah, I was going to say that gives us more time for application. See you guys on the other side of the break. Are you enjoying this fundamental so far? Well, we have plenty more where that came from. We started this podcast by focusing on the fundamentals alone. So if you want to hear more of our earlier recordings, please head back and listen to the backlog because we have a lot of great Bible studies that are there for you to use. Are you interested in learning more about us? Well, we just started releasing bio videos to give you guys some insight into our lives. So far, we have Dave's video out, and so we've posted that on our YouTube channel, also on our Facebook page. So if you want to see that, head over and take a look. We would love to hear what you think. Okay, now we're back for our final segment and we really want to be talking about the application of Unity. We want to make this as practical as possible. So just as we have been going through, I guess one of the things that I've thought is, well, if all of this Unity is so important, what happens when we see disagreement? Well, we don't disagree. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, just generally speaking, though, is disagreement even appropriate at any point? Well... Yeah, it's okay to disagree. It's we helpful dis- to disagree. We disagree at the table about, you know, the vision of Oz Table Talk, about differing views on particular, um, like, you know, content that we're going to release. But that's okay because you yeah. don't have five opinions and they all just every time sync perfectly. Mm. One time, we, you know, a couple of gears are going to fall out of alignment and it's not that they're wrong yeah. for falling out of alignment either just means you have to ride the clutch a little bit that's right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going, yeah, going with Nathaniel's illustration is, is really getting worn yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> well that can be when the disagreements pop up more often is when we are tired when we've you know had a big day that was a really neat segue mm. yeah I like it yeah, um, I think disagreement is helpful because it allows us to take in other perspectives. If we're always hearing our own it turns voice into an echoing, echo chamber. yeah, it's yeah. just, we don't grow, we just stagnate. Whereas when you hear some a difference of opinion, it gives you an opportunity to, to see a new perspective and it gives you a more mature perspective on mm. life mm. because you're seeing through more than one lens. It, can, one, oh, sorry, oh, it, it can also reveal holes in your own yeah. theory. Yeah. Someone can come with, but have you considered such and such or such and such? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Hmm. I might have to rethink that. Hmm. I believe one of the most dangerous things that we see in our church, but, and this is even true in the political sphere, is that when you find that you are only consuming uh, news content, etc., from your particular segment of the world, uh, as far as like if you're an extreme conservative or an extreme liberal and you're only consuming that kind of media and that's, that's in church and out of church, you're only going to be forced further and further along the spectrum mm. in that direction and leaving leaving you unbalanced. I don't care who you are, you're going to wind up in a very terrible position. Whereas if we 
if we come to the table, so to speak, just like we do, just like we model and we hope you guys are doing out there as well, and you have those conversations, it allows you to, like Dave was saying, have a more mature and balanced perspective. Because mm-hmm. yeah. let's face it, we all have um, views from both sides. We're, yeah. we, we have conservative and liberal views because mm. they're our own. We don't adhere to one or the other. We yeah. are our own person. Yeah. yeah. And I think your question was, when is disagreement appropriate? Mm. I think the answer to that question is um, disagreement is most appropriate when it doesn't bring disunity. Because mm. you can disagree about something, but you can still be in unity um, with the purpose, with the, with the mission, and, and even just with each other as, as brothers in Christ, yeah. sisters in Christ. Or, you mm. know, just we are still, we love each other, mm. but we disagree. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a much more appropriate form of disagreement than, you know... Yeah. When we look to disagree with the idea of, like, cutting, I guess, off sections of, of thought or, like, a thought process or a belief that we don't want to deal with, mm. that's when, I, I think, like, with what you're saying, it's extremely dangerous. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, then it's very much not appropriate because... Yeah. And th- there there'd be people that disagree that, you know, podcasts are any good. That's their opinion. They're they're we entitled they're to that. Does that then mean that they go and stop us from doing podcasts? No. No. Because we still have the same goal in mind of spreading the gospel as what those people do. Mm. And I think it's just a different avenue. Yeah. They have a, a different perspective, a different way of mm. reaching people. Um, I just wanted to go back to what Dave was saying before. Uh, I also think that if we do disagree in those times where uh, we are disagreeing in a friendly scenario where we still appreciate the person but we can disagree with the idea, I think the earlier we do that, the less likely we are to get to the place where we're having serious um, breakdowns of communication yeah. and destru- destruction of relationships and all the rest of it. And this is something we are horrible at as a church, as a, a corporate entity. I think we are terrible at disagreeing in a respectful and uh, a respectful way that is more dialogue than actually argument. What is yeah, the well, key to that, though? What is the key to agreeing, disagreeing rather, respectfully? I believe it's knowing the person. Yeah, not not necessarily the idea. Yeah, it's also separating the person and the idea. Yes. It's, it's the same with, and maybe that's why we were talking about that in the last se- segment, um, it's the same with judging somebody. It, you, you're much safer, biblically, to judge the action than the person. Yeah. Because yes. we can't judge a person's heart. And the same way, when we disagree with somebody's opinion, we should be respecting the fact that that's their opinion. Mm. We don't need to agree with their opinion. We can respect that that's their opinion, but mm. that doesn't affect them as a person. You know, yes. just because they have an opinion doesn't mean they're a bad person. Mm. You know, just because you know you happen to think some you know really strange things about certain sporting teams, Matt doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean <laughs> that I think you're a, you're a loser. <laughs> no, no, but that, that's that's a really good way of, of putting it. I mean, not talking about the sporting teams, but separating yeah separating yeah. someone from from their opinion mm. because you're right we've got to we've got to I, I think we've got to go more than just know the person when we want to approach them mm. we've got to remember that we love them yes and i think um, like you were saying that that that's a very christianized problem mm. i think that is a christianized problem because as christians we're very bad at doing what you're talking about mm. you know where we separate the the person from the problem and we love the person in in spite of the problem um we're very bad at that, and so therefore we're very bad at respecting each other's opinions mm-hmm. uh, when we disagree. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And there's that temptation that if someone is disagreeing with your opinion, we take it personally. Yeah, and we yeah. we say, oh, well, if they disagree with what I think on X topic, yeah. well, then they they are ta- this is personal. They yeah. think that I'm a bad person, or they think that I'm a heretic, or whatever it may be. Mm. We need to get better, not only at separating it. On the other side of the table, but also on our side of the table. Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's even biblical um, examples of what we're talking about here. I mean, Paul and Barnabas. Hmm. I mean, they're going around, they're preaching, they're bringing heaps of people to the gospel. They have a disagreement. They have to go their own <laughs> own ways for a while. Mostly yeah. because Paul was kind of arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> but they do come back together yeah. and um, back in unity. Because they were they had the same purpose. Yes. yes. But, and they, they knew that and they respected that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and there's also um, a really good example of how we can manage this in Acts chapter 15 um, at the Jerusalem Council. Yeah, so um, to give... Yeah, no, go for it, history buff. 
to give some context, we should probably go to X11 first. Okay. X11 what? Uh, two and three. So X11. Well, you two. go to 11, I'll go to 15, and we'll work together. Right, I will get this somewhere done. in the middle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so X11, two and three. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcised contended with him, saying, Thou wenteth in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. So, <gasps> Shock, horror! Yeah. Well, it was a big thing for the Jews back then because they considered circumcision to be still, like, still mm. at that point, even after um, Christ's ministry, yeah. to consider circumcision that, that saving grace. Yeah, mm. That's your only right. Yeah. And, I mean, this thing became such a big issue that they had to have a council to sort it all out so skipping forward a few chapters to that council it says uh, and certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses you cannot be saved like you were just saying that therefore when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute dispute with them they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question so just um, you know, expanding on the story so far. So, obviously, <laughs> Paul and Barnabas, you know, they met the issue head on. It says mm-hmm. they had no small dissension and dispute with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, they met the issue head on, but they obviously didn't come to a conclusion, right? Yeah. So, they've decided as a church, we need to go and talk to our, our wise men, you know, the yep. apostles. Escalate uh, the, the situation. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's make a decision about this mm-hmm. as a body, yeah. uh, which is a, a very good, you know, piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so they, they decided, first of all, we're going to talk with the people of concern. We see if we can work it out small scale. No Matthew success 7. there. Matthew 18. 18, 18 right. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to, you know, we can't work it out small scale, so we're going to now deal with it as a church. And so as a church, they had to make a decision. So it says in verse 3, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all their brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, so we see here a lot of disagreement going on, Mm -hmm. Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that, my, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. And so it goes on and it talks about how they, they were working together and it says in verse 13, And after they had become silent, James answered among answered saying men and brethren listen to me Simon that is Peter has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people to his name and with the uh, sorry and with this the words of the prophets agree just as it is written and after this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord even as the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does all these things and then he says, Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those who are among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from from things polluted by idols. So there's three things here. Things pro- polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from things strangled and, and from blood. For Moses has... Sorry. For Moses has had throughout many generations those... Who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath, and so James stands up and he basically says, "Here's a little little bit of my assessment of the situation that's been going on here. Mm. You know, we disagree here about the, the finer details, but he says, let's settle on some things, and we'll say, let's not make it difficult for Gentiles who want to become Christians. Let's not make that difficult for them, mm. but let's agree that there are some things that God has said. These are the essentials." And we're going to stick with the essentials. Mm. But there are some things that are not essential. And let's not make a big, big deal about the non-essentials. Mm. Let's allow them to make their own convicted decision about those things. Mm. Because we're not aiming for uniformity in the church. We're aiming for unity. Yeah. yeah. And I think there was this um, Protestant axiom um, that went around around the time of the Refor- Reformation that I think is really helpful to us in these sort of situations. And it said, in essentials, unity. 
in non-essentials, liberty, everyone can have free right of their own choice, mm-hmm. and in all things, charity or love. Yeah. So, love should govern the essentials and the non-essentials, mm-hmm. but for things that are not essential to salvation, let's just give people liberty to make their own choices. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think, obviously, how we define essential is important in, the, in that conversation, mm-hmm. but we should be more... Uh, we should appropriately render that kind of uh, treatment of the situation mm. so that we're not, we're not um, getting bogged down with the non-essentials all the time. Yeah. We're not going to, as a church, become in disharmony over things that the Bible doesn't even specifically say yeah. are you know, prohibited. Mm. Exactly. And let's face it, harmony is going to... We're going to fall into disharmony at times, but the ultimate goal is um, not an immovable condition here, but a permanent goal, and that is to reunite with um, unity, just like with the Jerusalem Council. Mm -hmm. They had a problem, they had them disharmony, but they came together and re-found that harmony and unity. And also worth mentioning is that there were, obviously the people on the other side of the argument, we're not told much about them, but obviously they must have been willing to submit to the decision of the of the, mm. the church. church as a whole. And I think often it, when things don't go our way, we like to have our, have our own way and grumble about it and all the rest. But really speaking, the biblical precedent is for us to submit to the... Um, you know the wisdom of the of the group in like Dave was saying in areas where it's not clear it's not an essential yeah uh, but I want to get this a little bit more practical so what if someone is listening to this and they're saying you know well unity is great and all but I don't see it in my local church or I don't I don't experience that I don't feel that I don't see it happening what can an individual do that will help them or their local church to be able to be more unified good question well, I think we, we find those barriers and then we look at what how do you overcome those barriers. And we've just put in our notes um, three things that we feel are pretty big barriers to unity. And I'm just going to list them off just quickly. And that's selfishness, pride, and criticism or fault finding. So when we focus on these things, which are these three ideals, which really um, derive from that whole self or self-superiority, which doesn't lend itself to unity that's when it starts causing some pretty big barriers. So if we're not finding unity in a church, we need to start looking at, okay, are we being selfish mm-hmm. with, with our ideals? Are we just being too proud to um, come together to maybe show some level of compromise where it's appropriate? Mm. Or are we too busy pointing out the, the flaws, pointing out the speck in our, in our brother's, brother's eye mm. to ignore the log in our own that we're not getting along? Yeah. So I think those are, those are pretty big. Probably um, interesting also to point out those three things that you just listed are largely attitudes, not actions. Yeah. Um, and so what we often do is we think that the actions are the things that bring the disunity. And so we seek to fix all the actions, you know, but it's not the actions that bring the dis- disunity as you just read to us. It's the attitude behind those actions that's the problem. And so uh, trying to deal with the attitudes mm. is, should be our key focus mm. if we yeah. overcome Disunity. And it can be hard because sometimes when this has been left for a long period of time, it then develops a culture. Yes. And yes. so... And it, it takes it, a long time to fix. You don't fix it overnight. No, no you can't break a culture. Yeah. Um, and so if you're finding that you feel you are in a church with a culture of disunity, um, we just want to pray for you because it's not going to be an easy road mm. and it's not necessarily going to be a short road. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of prayer and Bible study to help um, correct, mm-hmm. I guess, the, the moral moral center mm-hmm. of a church to bring it back into to unity. But God can break culture, hey? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this isn't a, an impossible task. It's just, it's just not long-term. Ex- it's a yeah. long-term commitment is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it's not exactly just yeah. the easiest thing we're going to come across. And what I would say, again, just something very simple. I don't care who you are. You can you can get on board with this. And that is to... I was just going to say, that's a big statement. Go on, I'm ready to hear this now. <laughs> <laughs> You've really set this up. Okay, all right, cool. Well, go to church and pick somebody that you consider to be... Uh, different from yourself and invite them to your place for a meal. Sit down, get to know them totally aside from 
what they believe about things, which may be different from what, how you see it. But connect with them, find out what makes them tick, ask them questions about, uh, you know, just about their life, what they're passionate about. And when you find the what makes somebody tick and why they are the way they are, you're much less likely to be putting up barriers to unity with that person. And if you do that with someone else and then someone else and someone else, eventually you as an individual become unified with many different people and then you can form the bridge that will allow the, the people around you in your circle of influence to be able to be unified with each other. I was definitely thinking the, um, the same thing. It's that sense of community and you build that by spending time with people, mm. yeah. whether it's dinner, um, church socials. I mean, that's, what, that's why churches have a, a social committee is to bring everyone together and to get to know each other better. Yep. So in the um, last bit of time that we have, it would be great for us to, like we've done with all of the, uh, the fundamentals so far, we look at what is it connected to. If for this a fundamental to be true, what other fundamentals does it need to be connected to? What well, connects to the church? We're talking about unity in the body of Christ, body of Christ Absolutely. is the church. church. So it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also connects to the Great Controversy because the Great Controversy is... Well, in that whole picture, the key player is is God's people. And for us to have unity and be able to do that, it, it's required in the mm. Great Controversy model. Well, the fact that there's a controversy indicates disunity, doesn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> yes. So true. And also the, the remnant in its mission. I mean, mm. we can't exactly go on the Great Commission and um, do what we need to do if we're arguing amongst ourselves. Yeah. Mm. That's right. Definitely. I mean, um, a house divided against itself does not stand. Yeah, we'll see. Look at Israel. You know, that they were divided and they grumbled and kept them out of the Promised Land for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it also connects, like we've mentioned throughout this episode, with the um, nature of, of God, so the, the yeah. Godhead. Yeah. Um, there's obviously unity there, and that's an example of unity. Well, Connect. that's what we're meant to model after. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. it's the foundation of everything we're mm. talking about here. This yeah. fundamental also connects with um, creation in, in the way that we pointed out, that we were created for the purpose of unity, yeah. to be created in the image of God. It also connects with the, the salvation message that we mm-hmm. talked about in, in when we were talking about justification, when we are talking about sanctification, because mm-hmm. um, this is bringing us back into unity with God. Yeah. Spiritual yeah. gifts. Yeah, it'll connect later with spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's a strong Very one. Very strongly, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's interconnected, I think, with, with probably most of them, mm-hmm. um, because unity is... It, it, it is what God is seeking with the mm. restoration, isn't it? Mm. The yeah. salvation. Mm. And that really leads into that these final statements that we make and why is it important? Why mm. is unity in the body of Christ important? For the same reasons that we're saying. Mm. The Great Commission cannot be accomplished without unity. Yeah. One person is not going to go to the four corners of the world mm-hmm. and preach the gospel. It's got to be a team effort. It's got to be supported at home and abroad. Yeah. And also, like we've been saying what we don't mean by that is is uniformity. We mean diversity. Yeah. yeah. And so the unified um, me- message must go to the world, mm. but in diverse ways, through diverse people. Otherwise, like there are people that, that you can reach that I can't reach um, because we are each wired in a certain way and, and God allows us through that to connect with different people in a different way. Yeah. And so we, we can sow seeds, but there's going to be somebody that, that only we are going to be able to be the waterer for, if yeah. you like. Yeah. And if we do foster division rather than unity we're also stunting each other's spiritual development because in unity that's where we can really grow and get something done and I think that's what we've experienced in Table Talk in this project the unity that we've had together has caused us to grow and if we hadn't done this I don't think any of us would have grown spiritually to the as much as we have had over the last couple of years absolutely so so we're living in a, a world full of disunity and we're worshipping in a church full of disunity. And so this fundamental is a real challenge for yeah. us hey, going forward. Yeah. You know, how can we um, appreciate and, and even um, look to foster the uniqueness that we each have, the diversity, um, but yet also work together in unity in this harmonious way? It's, it's a challenge. It mm. really is. And we see the lengths of that challenge in our church to, at, at the moment in particular, but all the time. You know, there's always going to be disunity uh, amongst us, 
And so it's always going to be something we're going to have to work at, work towards, um, you know, put self aside mm. uh, and just allow love to be that bond of perfectness, mm. as Paul was saying. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the challenge that we leave this episode on, but I want to thank you all for uh, being with us right through the episode. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with your friends and uh, we really look forward to seeing you guys next Tuesday. All right, bye. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list mailing list. So I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that. If you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us. So if you want to help us reach those goals, please jump in and give us a review. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.